We are in Champions League, man. That was my Dilly din, dilly dong, come on. I will love it if we beat them. Love it. This is the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast with Gary Kearney. Hello, welcome to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. My name is Gary Kernin. Joining us for this episode is Molly Grisham. We've had Molly on a few years ago, one of our original guests. She was outstanding. She's recently started a new program, Coach Ready. She's a team facilitator. She takes on a number of really, really important topics and works through with coaches. One of them is conflict and this element of conflict that is often overlooked but so important so we wanted to get her on in a webinar last week she did a presentation if you want to watch the full presentation it's available on the website for free modernsoccercoach.com but this is the interview and some of the audio from the presentation so hopefully you enjoy this and if you do please check out molly's work on coach ready the link is in the podcast information if you want to join us for another webinar the next one coming up is on thursday july 26th creating tactical analysis frameworks in a college season sometimes it's really really difficult for college coaches to work through analysis with the game schedule and the travel so we're going to work through some of those challenges and how to create really consistent and effective processes around analysis and video and data and player development and all that great stuff. If you'd like to join us for that, modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. You can register there. And if you're listening to this and the webinar is over, the replay will be available. modernsoccercoach.com slash shop. When you're there, check out a lot of resources, ebooks, webinars, and books as well. Thanks so much for the support. Hope you enjoy this. Here is Molly. Enjoy. Molly, thank you so much for coming back on to a Modern Soccer Coach chat. Excited. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's always good to, to talk with you and to connect with your people. So I really appreciate the opportunity. Brilliant, brilliant. We spoke just before we started recording there about a lot of coaches struggling. You mentioned there about a lot of coaches in different sports. There's patterns first question I have when we're talking about conflict and, mm. and this word that a lot of people avoid, but what I loved about your Coach Ready program was, hey, let's talk about it and let's work through it. How would you define conflict in, in the team setting? Yeah, I appreciate the question. And we're certainly going to dive into this this topic. And it's always interesting to me when I when I come in to work with a team on conflict, you can kind of sense they're all like, oh, no. Oh, conflict. And so here we are, like we're all coming together, talking about conflict. Doesn't this sound lovely? But I often frame it as this. To me, conflict is a lot like a speed bump. And, and there's two ways to deal with a speed bump. Um, and I'd like to throw a third option into the mix. One is we just have to keep slowing down and dealing with it. Gosh, it showed up again. We got to slow down and deal with it. Ugh, again, slow down and deal with it. So one, one option is leave the speed bump and just deal with it and deal with it and deal with it. Another option, and maybe you've accidentally done this, Gary, maybe, maybe not admit it live here, um, but every once in a while I find myself just cruising along, I'm listening to some music or a podcast, and I don't see the speed bump, and I just go flying right over it. 
And in that moment, I'm reaching over, like holding my, in my passenger safe. I, I've hit my head on the ceiling. I'm hoping my bumper is still attached. And with that approach, we do a lot of damage. And so sometimes we just try to just power through conflict. And we, we hurt a lot of people in that process. But the third option to me is let's do the work of removing the conflict. Let's stop long enough to actually sort out what's going on here and let's remove it because when you're on a road with no speed bumps, you can go as fast and as far as you want to go. We don't have to keep slowing down. We don't have to keep hurting people, but those tend to be our approaches, either just slow down, work around it, slow down, work around it, or power through it. Let's remove it. Let's address the conflict. Let's name the things that are going on. And we're certainly going to unpack some of that today. Yeah, love it. All right, um, you've got a presentation for us, so let's let's go into that there, and then really? just put up with the coaches as well. I've got your coach ready program uh, alongside it too, so coaches check that out. All right, so we're going to talk about managing conflict in a high performing culture, and as has already been alluded to today, uh, this content comes from a new program that I just launched on Monday. And Coach Ready is an online, um, essentially, course for coaches. It's all video-based. The videos were professionally produced. The workbook was professionally designed. But the reason I designed this content was I know that coaching can be incredibly life-giving. It, it can light you up. It can also take a lot from you. And I have watched a lot of my colleagues really, really struggle. Um, I know that they are losing sleep and their relationships are suffering and they're irritable and they feel hopeless and they're questioning their purpose. Um, they're wondering, am I the only coach that feels this way? And they isolate and their physical health is struggling and their mental health suffers as well. And when this happens to a coach, they start to lose themselves. And what's really sad about that is we're losing the one thing that your players need the most, and that's you. And so I wanted to provide a lifeline for coaches. I wanted to take all the wisdom that I have, all the frameworks and processes that I often use with private clients, and I wanted to make it accessible and affordable for the masses. And so that's where Coach Ready comes from. And so we're just going to scratch the surface on Coach Ready, but I really hope that you find this valuable today. The first thing I want to kind of lay some groundwork on is high-performing teams do things differently. There, there is no question about this. And as I work with teams and organizations and school systems all over the country, every once in a while, I walk into to a space for the first time. And I know right away, oh, these people are different. <laughs> these people are different. Um, they do things differently. You can feel a high-performing culture. You can sense it. And I have walked into some gyms or some fields or some weight rooms where I could feel it was different. So we're going to have this conversation today from that perspective of being a high performing team. So let's talk about a few things that I think really sets high performing teams apart. We dive into this in Coach Ready. Some of these uh, quotes are directly from Coach Ready. So one of the things that I often say about high performing teams is that they understand that love changes people. Your people change the culture. 
And too often what happens is we become so focused on the outcome that we forget that our people are the ones that are going to create the outcome for us. And so high-performing teams know that investing in their people, being really, really intentional about their people, will allow them to face anything, including conflict. And so when you think about being in conflict with people, do you want to be in conflict with people you can't stand? Or do you want to be in the trenches? Do you want to do the hard work of resolving things with people that you know and that you trust, people who are invested in you and people who put each other first? So I'm a, I'm a big believer that on high-performing teams, they embrace this idea that loving my teammates, loving my leaders, loving my coaches, that's going to change people. Uh, you can think about a time in your life where maybe you were just a difficult person. Somebody believed in you. They loved you long before you deserved that. It changed you. Uh, I certainly am a product of that. There are people who have poured into my life long before I had earned it or deserved it, and it changed me. And which then meant I could change others. So this is a really, really important place for us to start. Love changes people. People change the culture. Now, I want to share this second quote with you again, directly from Coach Reddy. High-performing teams understand this. Transformation is on the other side of truth. And every time I say that to a team or to a group of coaches or administrators, there's kind of this pause of like, time out. I need to process this for a moment. Transformation is on the other side of truth. If we want to get to a healthier place, if we want to get to a high-performing place, if we want to get to a place we've never been able to get to before, we have to be able to tell each other the truth. And high-performing teams do this really, really well. And it is modeled by their coaches. Now, I want to give you a story of when I saw this in action. I was working with a uh, power five women's basketball team. And I had been working with this team for a while and felt like I had a good relationship with the players and the coaches. And I will say that the coach is a household name. Um, you, you would know who she is. And I'd been on campus for a few days. I had thought the visit went really well. And she said, as I was heading to the airport, hey, can we talk for a moment? And there was a part of me that felt like, oh, no, that didn't feel good. <laughs> What's about to happen? I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's go chat. So we went into a room that I had never been in before. Usually we met in her office. And again, I thought, oh, this feels a little ominous. Like, why are we meeting here? And then she shut the door. And again, my, my hands were getting sweaty. I was getting a little nervous about what was about to happen. And she took a deep breath. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'm about to get fired. <laughs> She's going to fire me. She took a deep breath and she said, okay, tell me everything I need to hear. Tell me everything I need to hear. She didn't say, tell me everything I want to hear. She didn't say, tell me everything that'll make me feel good. She didn't say, tell me seven positive things before you give me any criticism. She didn't say, give me a positive and then criticism and then more positive. She said, tell me everything I need to hear because she understands that she has to hear the truth to continue to elevate her team. She modeled that behavior for her players. She understood that she had to hear the truth and she embraced that and she modeled that for her players. Transformations on the other side of truth. 
Now, this applies with conflict as well. We have to be able to tell each other the truth. We cannot live in this avoidance mindset that we don't want to tell the truth. This is critical. And the teams that I work with that have embraced this concept of telling the truth, but doing it in a way that's rooted in love. Because remember, high-performing teams, they love their people. They love their people. There's no question about that. So let's talk about something else I think high-performing teams believe. High-performing teams understand that your people are are more powerful than your problems. Your people are more powerful than your problems. On average or low-performing teams, when conflict arises, when a problem arises, people immediately look around and think, who can I blame? Whose fault is this? Who do we need to get rid of? Who caused this? Who do we put this on? High-performing teams look around the room and they think, okay, we've got a challenge in front of us. Something difficult has come up. Uh, We've got some conflict, but man, I believe in the people in this room. And I know that we are more powerful than the challenges that we are facing. And so I want to encourage you as you think about conflict to understand that high-performing teams approach this very, very differently. They understand that their people are the answers to the problems that they're facing. They don't need to blame their people. They need to empower their people. So let's look at our next slide. (laughs) This is a question that I hear from coaches so often. I get a phone call and they say, Molly, we've got some some issues and, and there's some conflict. So how do I get rid of the conflict? And this is not a high performance mindset. Average, low performing teams are going to see conflict as this outside force that's going to negatively impact them. And they're going to think, how do we just get rid of it? High performing teams are going to approach this differently. We can't avoid it. or We shouldn't avoid it. We can address it. We can choose to respond to it and we can do it in some really healthy ways. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning, Conflict for me is like a speed bump. And do we want to let those speed bumps remain so that they slow us down and so that they harm people? Or do we want to do the work, the real hard work of removing the speed bumps so we can go as far and as fast as we'd like? When conflict shows up, it really is an opportunity for us. And so this is something that I think high-performing teams also understand. They see conflict as an opportunity to be better. Now, that does not mean (laughs) that we need to manufacture or create conflict on our teams. Not at all. Uh, If things are going well, let things go well. But if organically something arises on our team, ah, this is a teacher. It's much like pain that happens in our physical bodies. When I have pain in my body, it is telling me something. It's saying, you need to address this. You need to stretch this. You need to change your diet. Pain can be a teacher. That doesn't mean I should go intentionally break my arm so that that I have something that I need to work on. In the same way, we don't need to manufacture or create conflict. But when it shows up, it can be a really great teacher for us. Now, there is certainly unproductive an unhealthy conflict that can exist on our teams. And oftentimes that comes down to how are we responding to the conflict when it shows up? One of the things that I often say to teams is this, 
Friction creates traction. Friction creates traction. And we talk about this in Team Ready as well. Friction creates traction. Think about this for a moment. If you are driving down the road in your car and you knew I should have got new tires like a year ago, <laughs> there is no traction left on my tires. Well, it, you're not going to create any friction. You're just going to be sliding side to side on the road. In fact, I was in a car one time when this was the case. It was raining and we weren't moving forward. We were moving side to side. We were wasting a lot of time. But when you have great traction, it creates that friction. It goes back and forth. The friction creates the traction, creates the friction back and forth, back and forth. And we have forward progress there. The same is true in conflict. Sometimes some friction shows up and it allows us to move forward. It's like the light goes on in the room and we can say, oh, I didn't even realize this was slowing us down. Now we can figure out how to move forward. So let's talk for a moment about the fact that high performing teams make space for what are called the five default conflict styles. Now, what I want you to know about this is these are not original to me. These are highly researched in psychology. I'm going to break these down for you in just a moment. But I think it's really important on a high-performing team that you make room for the diversity of these five approaches. And one of the things that I want you to know that I think is really, really critical is this. Psychology would call these our default conflict styles. In other words, it's your go-to. It doesn't have to be your final approach. And, and I'll share a story in a moment um, about kind of the environment I grew up in and what my default conflict style is and a little bit of my journey to make some changes there. So let me pull these up for you. So these are the five default conflict styles. Again, heavily researched in psychology and something that we can apply in athletics. So the first is avoidance. What we need to know about this is people with this default conflict style will avoid conflict <laughs> at all costs. They want nothing to do with conflict. They're often fearful to speak up because it might cause a problem. It might cause uh, some conflict. And for these individuals, feeling safe is really, really important to them. So if you've got a player or maybe a fellow coach who approaches conflict in this way, you may be frustrated because you feel like we need to have a conversation and they are nowhere to be found right now. It's because they don't feel safe. And so they're out of there. They, they have got to make sure they feel safe. Now, when I was still a college coach, we would do a workshop, a 90-minute workshop, to help our players identify what their default conflict style was which was really helpful for them to understand how their teammates responded in conflict. But it was also really helpful for me to know, okay, when things get tough on our team, when conflict arises, how might my players respond? So I had a group on my team that I knew fell into this avoidance category. I knew we had accommodators. I knew we had those that were assertive, those that compromised and those collaborated. I knew where everybody landed. And so one day when I was still a college coach, I got a text message 
from one of my players. And she said that she and two of her teammates needed to meet with me. Now I have to tell you, I was not in the best mood <laughs> on this day. Um, I had just had a meeting with my athletic director, was told that our budget was being cut a little bit. So that didn't sit very well with me. And we had also sat through, and those of you that are college coaches, you'll understand this, a compliance meeting, which is basically where we're told all the rules and all the ways we're messing up. So I just wasn't in a great mood to get a text that said, I and two of my teammates need to meet with you. So I replied, yeah, sure, come by the office. I was kind of feeling like, let's go, bring it on. I'm, I'm ready for a fight. And then I looked at the text message again and I realized, what the heck? They're not even in the same grade. Like what, what, what are these three? They're, they must be stirring up trouble. And then I looked at it again and I thought, wait a second. They don't even play the same position. So it's not like the, the keepers or the back four want to come talk to me. What? Ah, I was just, I was really gearing up for a fight. And then I looked at it again and I'm like, are you serious? These three aren't even friends. There must be some drama going on on our team. And I was not happy about it. And then the light bulb went on for me. Oh my gosh, these three all fall into the avoidance category. And what I know about people who avoid conflict, avoid conflict who, are, who really, really need to feel safe is that sometimes they want to have conversations in a group. And so it wasn't that these three needed to come attack me. They wanted to meet in a group because they felt safe. I also knew that people who avoid conflict, if they are actually the ones to bring the conflict up, it's gotten to a point where you need to just stop and listen. These three wanted to avoid conflict in every way possible, and yet they were willing to schedule a meeting with me. And so I immediately dimmed the lights in my office. I turned on my scented candle. I did like 50 jumping jacks to get all the adrenaline out of me. I turned on some Mumford and Sons music. I refilled my candy dish and I had my feet up on my desk when they walked in. And I said, oh, hey, forgot you guys were coming by. <laughs> because I knew if I could make this a healthy conflict conversation for them, maybe they would approach conflict differently in the future. And so for me, knowing that they wanted to avoid conflict at all costs changed how I responded in that moment because I was ready for a fight. I was absolutely ready for a fight. And then I realized, ah, these are avoiders. They're not ganging up on me. These are three people who feel like there's safety in numbers. And how I respond to that is really critical. Now, you may be wondering, like, what's the end of the story? <laughs> Why did these three want to come talk to you? It's, it's the perfect ending. These three scheduled a meeting with me. And again, remember, I was ready to fight. I was ready. Bring it on. Let's go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. They scheduled a meeting with me because we had a player on the team who had tore her ACL and she was no longer traveling with us. And they were worried about her mental health and wanted to know if she could travel with us on day trips because that wouldn't cost us anything. Did I just need to shut up and hear that? Yes. And I wouldn't have done that if I hadn't taken the time to realize these are avoiders. They want to avoid it because they don't feel safe. So knowing this can be a game changer for you. Hello, coaches. We'll take a quick break here. Thank you so much for listening to another podcast episode. 
We're starting a new series of podcast interviews, so there's more content coming up in the near future. We've also been growing the YouTube channel. If you haven't been over there, please check it out. We put a weekly video up, a tactical breakdown or a training breakdown where we go through some stuff, five, 10 minute videos for free. Please check out that over on YouTube. If you haven't subscribed, it would mean a lot to us if you would go ahead and subscribe to the page so you don't miss it and you help us grow the channel. And if you're looking for some resources for pre-season, we've got lots of stuff on the Modern Soccer Coach website. Head on over to modernsoccercoach.com shop. We've got webinars, including a pre-season one coming up around data and analysis. We've also got pre-season fitness exercises, defensive press and exercises ebooks customizable periodization charts scouting templates and full training session ebooks as well modernsoccercoach.com slash shop if you enjoy the work if you want to support it if you want to keep modern soccer coach growing it would be fantastic if you check that out the support means a lot thank you so much and we'll keep growing it thank you all right let's talk about accommodation the accommodators Oh, they're great to be in conflict with because they will do anything to make you happy. Their whole goal in conflict is to give others what they want. And this becomes really dangerous when they self-sacrifice and self-sacrifice and self-sacrifice because at some point it's going to come out in some really ugly ways. At some point they're going to say enough is enough. When do I get what I need when we're in conflict. And so if you can recognize when you have a fellow coach or an administrator or a student athlete who's an accommodator, one of the big shifts you can make is to intentionally ask them, what do you need? What would be helpful for you? What can I do for you in this moment? Because they are naturally going to give you everything you want. And you may have to ask multiple times um, because it's not their nature to ask for what they need. Their goal. So we talked about with avoidance. They're just thinking about safety with accommodators. They're just thinking about the happiness of others. And so you can imagine being in conflict with someone who wants to make you happy. That feels like a great place to be. But this can really become a problem long term. So we got to ask these people What do they need? Then we have the assertive people. These individuals are really fascinating on a team. And I would say get a really, really bad rap on a team because these are the people that typically say what needs to be said. They name the elephant in the room. They will say what no one else is willing to say. And what we have to understand about the assertive group is they are so focused on solving the problem that sometimes it feels like they don't care about the people. And so we've got to be patient with them. We've got to, we've got to help them find that balance, especially when we're working with, with our student athletes. We've got to help them understand that balance uh, because they really are great problem solvers. They are so focused on the task at hand And in many ways for them, standing their ground is really important. Um, And we love these people when they say what needs to be said and we agree with what they said. We struggle when they say what needs to be said and we don't like it. And I would say as a coach, we need to be really, really careful about how our team responds to these people. 
because they can be really powerful. They can be really, really helpful for us to say what needs to be said. And then we have those who like to compromise. So they have a pretty good balance of focusing on the people and focusing on the task at hand. These individuals often like to collect a lot of information as they seek out a really healthy solution. And so one of the challenges those who have a compromise style face is they often need some time to sort through everything. And so if you are in conflict with someone who takes the compromise approach and you said, I need an answer now, that's going to be really tough for them. They want to sort through all the options. They want to consider all the possibilities. They want to read all the data before they make a decision about how to move forward in a conflict. And so with these individuals, creativity is really important to them. And so can you create some spaces that allow these individuals to be creative? That will be a gift to them and will help them navigate conflict a little bit better. And then we have the collaborators. These folks have a high value of people and a high value for the task that they're trying to solve. Um, with these individuals, the togetherness of the team is really important to them. And that at times can be a challenge as a coach because we all know there are going to be moments where we just, we can't win everybody over. We can't have a solution that makes everybody happy. We have to do what's best for the team. And sometimes that's tough for our collaborators. They really want to make sure that everybody stays together. Everybody feels valued. Everybody feels like they're a part of the process. And so there've been moments for me as a coach or even as a consultant now where I've been in a room and I could sense, oh, the collaborators are nervous right now. <laughs> they feel like these people aren't being heard. They feel like not all the options are being discussed. And I'm looking at my watch thinking, we got to move this along. Those moments, I got to give the collaborators some space. So it's really important that we make room for all of these styles on a team. Now, I mentioned earlier that I would tell you a story about my default conflict style. I grew up in a family of avoiders. Um, we didn't just avoid conflict. We really avoided talking about anything. <laughs> anything that had a feeling associated it could be happy, joyful. We just didn't talk about this. There was this unspoken or unagreed upon rule in our house that talking about feelings was dangerous. So we didn't do it. And it wasn't until I got to college and I was around new peers and I was around their family members that I started to realize, whoa, there's a lot of different ways to communicate and there's a lot of different ways to navigate conflict. And I wanted to learn how to move out of that avoidance category. I wanted to experience some of these other strategies. And so I share that because it's your default. It's your go-to but you can learn the other options. I would absolutely say I'm a compromiser now. That's, that's where I land, but it took a lot of work for me to get there. And so if you don't like your default conflict style, I wanna encourage you to think about, okay, what are the skills that you would need to learn to be able to move into a different default conflict style? And again, on average or low performing teams, we're probably just gonna make room for one or two of these. 
But on high-performing teams where we allow individuals to bring their whole self, that means we also have to allow them to bring their default conflict style. So let me share another thought with you here. High-performing coaches will take the time to understand their own conflict style. This is this is part is directly aimed at you. I don't know if you remember that old Snickers commercial where they said, you're not you when you're hungry. I think that is very true in conflict as well. We become someone else. We look back at our conflicts and say, oh my gosh, why did I react that way? Why did I say that? Why did I use that tone? That was not what I wanted to do. We become someone else. And so if we're asking our team to be conscious of how they respond in conflict, we have to model that. We have to do that for ourselves. And so I really want to encourage you as a coach to, to give some thought, to do a deep dive on these default conflict styles, whether it's utilizing coach ready or, or just hopping online and looking these up. There's plenty of information out there, but who do you become in conflict? We can't ask our players to transform if we're not willing to tell the truth about who we are in conflict. This is absolutely critical for us. So let me give you a couple of closing thoughts on this, and then we're going to bring Gary back into the conversation and we'll see where we go from here. So as I mentioned at the beginning, Coach Ready is now live and we just scratched the surface today. So if you are interested in how to develop your players as leaders, if you want a really clear framework, if you want to know some of those details behind the scenes that I share with coaches, if you want to know about how to manage some difficult players in difficult moments, if you want to learn more about conflict, um, if you want to learn more about trauma, and I, I will pause for a second and say, that was a really hard unit to record, but I am not sure there's anything more valuable in this program than that, because we all have players who've experienced trauma. In fact, a lot of us as adults have experienced trauma. Um, if you want to learn how to lead change, and if you want to learn more about high-performing culture, it's all right there for you inside Coach Ready. And in case we don't get back to this, um, on my YouTube channel, I've got a ton of free videos. And so if you want to access those, if you want to share those with your team, please feel free to utilize those. I have lots of teams that use those with their leaders and as conversation pieces. On Instagram right now, I'm running what I'm calling my big giveaway. We've got a few more days that this will be live. Uh, but I am giving away over $1,200 worth of uh, services from me. And all you got to do is follow the steps on Instagram. Pretty, pretty simple. But would love for you to get involved in that. I'm on Twitter. There's my website. And if you're interested in Coach Ready, that is where that QR code will take you. And if you have questions about that or want to talk about group discounts or any of that, just reach out to me. Uh, as I mentioned at the beginning, it's hard to coach right now. And we need allies and we need people that can walk with us. And we need people in the trenches with us. And that's what I get to do every single day. I get to walk with coaches through some of the hardest stuff and help them get to that high performing place. So if I can be that for you, um, reach out. I, I want to be accessible and I want to be able to help you. So Gary, I'm going to turn off my screen share and let's see if you want to. Fantastic, Molly. That was brilliant. 
Thank you. First class, first class. I've got a couple of questions for you. Um, the first is, and by the way, I love the Snickers analogy there. That that was really, really good. The piece of your story about preparing for the players with the candles and the, doing your jumping jacks and looking looking relaxed. I find that really interesting. The physical environment, because something I experienced as a college coach, when you're bringing a player in to, even for a, just an individual chat, sometimes you can be too structured, that walls yes. come up. How, how do you modify the environment and, and to suit, manipulate different kind of situation? How do you do that? Yeah, I, I don't totally understand why this is the case, but players tend to associate coach's office with a bad thing. Oh, that's where all the bad things happen. And so I have a lot of coaches who are no longer meeting with their players in the office. They will say, you want a meeting with me? Text me, I'll meet in the coffee shop. You want a meeting with me? I'll come to the weight room. You want a meeting with me? We'll walk around campus. And certainly there's a lot of research around like the physiology of just moving and having a conversation and breathing fresh air. And so I, I really encourage people to think about what is the physical environment? And if you can't change that, can we just go someplace else, meet on their terms, meet in their dorm lobby, uh, meet in a building that's comfortable to them, go to their space because they see your office as that's your domain. You're in charge in that moment. And I think so many players want to feel like I'm an equal and I have a voice and I'm going to be heard. And that's that's hard to do when I'm in your space. Mm. Um, and, and I would say I felt that as a coach when I had to meet with administrators and it was always in their office, in their space. And there was always a desk that separated us from each other. But I always appreciated those admins that said, like, I'll meet you your field. We'll just chat for five minutes. I'm like, oh. Great. Okay. That's because that's my field. That's where I feel comfortable, where I, where I feel safe. So yeah, you're right. Changing the physical space is important. Brilliant. Brilliant. Um, Phil Jackson, uh, talked to some guys about Phil Jackson last week. He's like really interesting coach. I've read a lot of books about him, never met him or seen him work, but read a lot, watched a lot. Is a coach that believes in letting things happen. Um, and, and I mean, the reason why I thought of Phil Jackson was was when you're talking about almost like the speed bumps and sometimes like, do you feel that sometimes coaches can maybe sense a bit of tension, step in too early almost and jump the gun and make it worse? Yeah. Yeah. Because it's like, I'm not going to let this happen. So I'm going to assert myself and we're going a different direction. And, you know, I think when you look at high performing coaches, they don't micromanage every piece of the game. So why would we micromanage every piece of the culture? The, the game teaches us. We, we get done with a game and say, well, we lost 1-0 and it really broke us down in this way. Okay, that's how we have to get better. We have to have that same mindset with our culture as well. Okay, this issue keeps coming up. This keeps slowing us down. If I micromanage my team, we never learn that lesson. I just have to keep micromanaging. If I let the lesson emerge, then we understand what's the real problem here. Because what often happens is we end up solving the wrong problem, which means we just created another problem for ourselves. So let the problem emerge. Let's, let's really diagnose that. And then we can, we can address it. We can remove that speed bump. But if we're always just rerouting around the speed bumps, they're still there. We didn't get any better. 
Brilliant. Uh, your your piece of your kind of growing up background that resonated with me. That's like Irish growing up. You, you avoid conflict and avoid talking about any emotion in the room. As I've got older and got married and all that great stuff, I've yeah. learned more about managing relationships and conflict and all that great stuff. But what what I'm trying to ask is, experience helps a lot. Right. And right. but but whenever you're in that college space, high school space of the character development hasn't quite formed where they realise that. Right. How do you balance between you know, all right, you've got to go through some of this, and then <laughs> hey, I'm going to hold your hand through all of this, you yeah. know. Yeah, it is such a delicate balancing act. And I think this is why it's so important for us to model this behavior. Like if I can stand in front of my team and say, guys, can you believe for like the first 22 years of my life, I avoided every single important or hard conversation. Most of the time they're like, coach, you're like trying to get us to talk all the time. I'm like, yeah, for 22 years, I shut that part of me off because that's all I knew. And look, Look at how I handle it differently now. If I can do this, you can do this. Mm -hmm. And if we can talk about this as, as a team, then we can help you. We can help you get there. I, I, can, I can give you some lessons. I can hold your hand a little bit, but let's walk through this together. Uh, I think it's so, if, if I'm not healthy as a coach and I'm trying to force that on my athletes, they're going to see right through it they're going to say yeah she talks a great game about conflict but remember the last time we had a conflict how she responded mm. <laughs> we, we don't we don't trust her anymore but when they can say like yeah we've heard her story we've seen her work on that or another layer is when i can stand in front of my team and say i did not handle that post-game conversation well mm. and here's what i regret and here's what i said and here's where it came from and I want to redo. Can we, can we go back in the locker room and have that post conversation again? Yeah. I, I want to own that moment when we can do that as coaches and we're modeling that behavior. It's a game changer for our young people. Mm. Excellent. Excellent. All right. Last couple here. Um, yeah. Different, different types of kind of alongside that there. Uh, diversity of personalities, really, really positive to have in a team skill sets and personalities. But sometimes again, at that age group of 15, through maybe 20, 22, yeah. uh, sometimes the social factor is is a strong magnetic pull towards groupthink and being, again, sometimes I think of my time in college and I think sometimes the, 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 the hashtags about we are all this and all that sometimes went against yeah, yeah, yeah. organic growth of personalities. Again, we're kind of going off there. What, my question is, how do you balance between maybe having a diverse personality, again, going back, my balls is always my case study, a Dennis Rodman, who you know cares, does the right thing, but is a, uh, is a bit of a liability in terms of the yeah. culture. Yeah. But that's a good thing. How do you manage that there in a group that maybe are a little bit skeptical of having that personality alongside them? Yeah. So one of the things that I love to, to think about as a framework for how we create that space for everyone is I believe on healthy teams, we allow a person to bring their whole self to the team. I, I don't just say, Gary, you can be on this team, but don't do this, this, and this, because I'm, I'm not allowing you to bring your whole self. But before you can bring your whole self, you have to go through a stage of getting healthy. And so when you've done the work to get healthy, you're no longer bringing self-destructive or team destructive behaviors to the group. And so a lot of times we'll see a professional athlete who was never given the opportunity to get healthy, 
but they say, hey, I got to bring my whole self, which means I'm hungover when I get to practice because I have a drinking problem Mm -hmm. and I got suspended for a couple of weeks because of a domestic violence issue. And the list goes on and on because they never got healthy. And so for me, when I'm talking with a student athlete or I'm talking with coaches about how do you bring your whole self, we can't do that until we got healthy. And again, that comes back to coaches. If I'm not modeling that health, if I haven't done my own work on myself, then I can't even bring my whole self to my team. But the progression for me is you got to get healthy. Then you can bring your whole self. Then you can have really happy experiences, which leads to high performance. But it's got to be in that order. And too often we just say, like, how do we high perform? We got to start at the beginning there. We got to get healthy as people, because if I'm healthy, I can bring my rough edges to the team, but it's not destructive. If I'm not healthy, my rough edges are really destructive on a team. Fantastic. Fantastic. All right. Last one. Um, we got to do a part two, by the way. Uh, Let's yeah, uh, we'll, we'll get back on that. The, the last one I have, again, preseason, a lot of coaches, we've kind of been, been using this as a modern soccer coach to get ready for the season. A lot of stuff, technical, tactical, physical, mental, emotional. How would you say, you know, you're walking in, you're getting prepared in the next two weeks to walk into 25 personalities with a lot of energy. What are some things that you should be looking to do to make sure you get off on the right foot? Yeah, I I will bring it back to what we said at the beginning. Coaching can give you a lot. It can also take everything from you. And I would encourage coaches to take these next couple of weeks and refill their own cup. We know that cup is going to be empty (laughs) by the end of preseason. Two weeks in. (laughs) Right, right, right. And then you got to figure out, shoot, we've, we've got months left. How do we make this happen? But to take two weeks to spend some time with the people you care about and and to read the books that have nothing to do with soccer and to listen to the podcasts that have nothing to do with, with tactics other than this one, like listen to this podcast, but what's the stuff you want to do for you? Because you know, you want your players to show up with a, with a full cup and ready to go. And we got to do the same for ourselves. You squeezing one more recruiting trip in is just going to deplete your ability to show up and be really healthy for your players. And so take that time. Nobody else can do that for you. Nobody else can do that self-care. Take a couple of weeks for you. Um, that's That's a gift that you can give your players to show up healthy and ready to go this season. Phenomenal. Molly, outstanding. You, uh, you. you always go above the, the hype that I have for you, so I really appreciate it. Have a great Thank day. You. Talk to you appreciate soon, it. everyone. Thank you for listening to the Modern Soccer Coach Podcast. For more coaching topics, sessions, and resources, head on over to Coach Kernine on Facebook or visit the website at www.modernsoccercoach.com.